Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Thank you for this opportunity just to share the word of God. We thank you that we come with just hungry hearts, just expecting you to speak into our lives. We thank you that, Lord, this is a life-changing day because we've come with expectations to hear from heaven. So, God, we thank you that as we leave this day, that, Lord, there's things that are set in motion as a result of our faith being put in motion. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and we all said... Amen. Amen. Well, hey, just in the event, I didn't make mention of this before, but I'm sure you're all kind of wondering, thinking Pastor looks awful funny today. Uh, it's, I got like this white forehead line across my head, you know, um, and it looks kind of funny. I realize that. And so uh, just before you make fun of me, I'm going to go ahead and address it just before you do. Um, we went on a motorcycle trip this past week. We went with some pastor friends. And so obviously when you're on the road and in the sun for a number of hours each day and you're wearing helmets and you're wearing bandanas and things, uh, something's covered. And so it just happens to be my forehead and around my eyeballs. And so again, I know I look funny. So just bear with me and look past that, if you will. All right. Just, in fact, if you just close your eyes and listen to my soothing voice, I just might put you to sleep. So it's all right. <laughs> Amen. So if you remember last week, we again, just we weren't necessarily getting into a new series, but we just kind of had a freestyle message and so I, I want to tag on that message or tag on to what we were talking about last week and if you remember last week we talked about developing a life of faith for faith that will carry us in life now once again we all are walking in this life by faith to some extent or the other but you realize fear is nothing more than faith in reverse it's false evidence appearing real but you believe that it's so and so once again, if you have faith that carries you, it's a faith that believes God is faithful to what he said he will do. But if you're carrying the cares of life, if you're worrying about the things of life, then you'll find that you're oftentimes carrying your faith. And really, it's just the worry, the anxiety, and the fear of life. And God doesn't want you walking around carrying your faith. He wants your faith being able to carry you. Amen. And so if you remember, we talked about the, the woman with the issue of blood last week where she was sick and she'd spent all that she had, but she set some things in motion and really it was her faith that carried her to the place of receiving from God. And we also made reference to that in the, in the sense of that we're all running this race of life. Last weekend was the crim, and we asked if there was anybody that participated with that, and we uh, noticed that Doris was the only one that was athletic and healthy and concerned about just being physically fit. She was the only one out of everybody that was here. But nevertheless, she, she crossed the finish line, and when we look at her as a person that uh, participated with the crim, she wasn't looking to win the entire crim. She was looking to win her race. For the Bible says that we all have a set course, a set path, a set race that God has set before us. And therefore, she was looking to win her race. And her race was to cross that finish line and have those personal goals established in her life. But she already crossed that finish line before she ever got there. It was her faith that carried her across the finish line. It wasn't all the work and the preparation beforehand. That was necessary, but it was her faith and knowing that she could do it and that she would do it that once again carried her across that finish line. Amen? 
And so God wants us to walk in this life having faith that will carry us through the storms of life and the, the ordeals of life, through the good and through the bad. And God said that we can be successful on the other end of that, right? Well, now, when it comes to living this life and running this race and purposing to look ahead and having faith that will carry us, we've got a purpose to have focus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How do we have focus in this life so that our faith can carry us? Well, uh, just having been on this motorcycle ride for the last few days, uh, we put over 2,000 miles on the motorcycles in just a matter of just a a couple days, seven states, and uh, several areas that we went through. In fact, as we got further south going through the mountains, uh, the roads were very windy. I mean, they would just go back and forth, back and forth, and it was extremely fun, but it was a whole body workout. You had to pay attention. In fact, I found it kind of interesting that at the end of the night when we would go out to dinner and I'd find myself looking at the guys that I was going riding with, I had a hard time looking at them in the eyes because my eyes felt like they were just all over the place, like I had no focus or concentration. And the reason being is because when I'm riding the motorcycle and you're going through all these twists and turns and going through the mountains and going by uh, edges of the road that's just sheer drops off off the edge, you're purposing to be so focused in attention on everything that is around you that you find yourself being very busy. And so once you're finally sitting still, you feel like you still got to be focusing on everything that's around you. But the thing about it is, is when you're going through the mountains and all the windy turns, there is a principle or a technique, if you will, in order to manage all the curves and all the turns that you're going through. When you enter into a turn on a motorcycle, and for that matter, whether you're a race car driver or just a person driving your car through this type of terrain... What you do as a motorcycle rider is you look beyond the turn to where you want to go. And as you're looking through the turn where you want to go, just by default and by nature, you will purpose to steer where your focus is. Are you here this morning? The moment that you get caught up in the moment and start looking at where you are, it becomes very dangerous because you don't see what is coming around the corner. And if you get caught up in the moment right where you are, you can get distracted and not see the debris in the road or whatever it is. And once again, it can be extremely dangerous for you. And so as believers, how does faith carry us? It's seeing beyond the turn to where you want to go. It's seeing where you want to be and purposing to go there. In fact, for that matter, there is a principle. Whatever you focus on, is where you'll go. And so how do you have faith that carries you? We've got to have focus. And staying focused is a constant battle, isn't it? Because we're so distracted as people in life. Staying focused is difficult because we've got to stay focused within our marriage. We've got to stay focused with our kids. We've got to stay focused with our work. We've got to stay focused even with our house. You know, my wife, she was sharing with me just as she was gone uh, to Chicago... You know, my wife, I think she's just a beautiful woman, and she she just let me know that just as we were driving into church this morning. And she said, you know, when we were in Chicago, she said we were at this one place, and it was like a a restaurant, and she said this gentleman came up to her and says, how you doing? And she says, I'm doing just fine. 
And then she was at the car dealership just before she left. She was doing something for the vehicle before she left, uh, some maintenance thing. In fact, I should have done it. She was doing it for me. And so nevertheless, she was there at the car dealership. And she was just sitting there waiting in the little waiting area. And she said a salesman came walking by and saw her there. And he says, hey, he says, uh, somebody told me that a blonde was needing a salesman. Do you, are you needing a... She's like, no, I don't. Well, they were telling me that some blonde out here. And she goes, I'm the only blonde that's in there. My point is this is that when it comes to your marriage, if you don't stay focused, there is something that's going to come along to try to steal your focus and steal your attention and get you off course. And everything in life is like that. If we don't stay focused, things begin to unravel. And with the lives that we live, in fact, if you've not noticed this, maybe it's just me, but when you get so distracted with all the busyness of life, have you ever noticed that your house starts to fall apart? Really? And it's not that you're being a slob. It's not that you're being lazy. But you're coming and you're going and you're, you're distracted by all the things that you've got to have your attention focused on. That you'll come and you'll go. You'll leave it here. You'll drop it there. And before you know it, your house is tore up. And you think, how does that happen? I didn't mean to leave the dishes all piled up like that. I didn't mean for this to get to this place in my life. But again, it begins to unravel very quickly if we don't stay focused. And in this life, once again, there are so many things that will purpose to steal our attention and really cause us to come into a place of anxiety and worry and stress and not have faith that carries us, but we begin to carry our faith and we begin to struggle through this life that God has called us to live. What does it mean to be focused? To, meet, to be focused means to, uh, to adjust in order to make clear, to direct attention or efforts towards something specific. So if we're going to get focused in the end of this year to move forward and to press into God and to see God really become everything that we believe and know that He is to be, we've got a purpose to make some adjustments so things can become clear, to direct our attentions and our efforts toward the things that are necessary. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24 through 27, it says this. It says, Avoid all perverse talk, Stay away from corrupt speech. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. Now, this isn't really to the point of what I'm talking about. But everything begins with the words of your mouth. If you want to stay focused, you've got to get a hold of your tongue. Get a hold of the words that are coming out of your mouth. You hear this morning? In fact... How many of you know that this is allergy season? Has anybody been feeling any of those symptoms in your body? I'll be the first one to tell you. I'm feeling it. But there will be people that will constantly say, I've got allergies. This is the baddest time of the year for me. And, oh, I just get so sick. And your words begin to set up expectation in your heart. And your focus is not from what, what, what God's Word says about you, but what all the commercials are telling you. Allegra D, 12-hour. <laughs> or whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying don't take medication that will help you through the, through the hurdles of what you're going through. But the Bible says you're the healed of the Lord. And so I've struggled through years uh, of having those symptoms of allergies and being affected by it. But I refuse to agree and hook up with the fact that I have to be subject to it and be carried by it or carry the worry of it. But faith can carry me through and says, no, the Word of God says that I'm healthy and whole in Jesus' name. And every year, 
when I start to feel the symptoms, I get my mouth talking in the right way. Now think about it, being on a motorcycle ride and you're out in the air and not only is the air coming in your face, but it's coming in your face at 70 miles an hour. And you're going by people that are cutting their grass and it's blowing up in your face and you can smell. And again, what's the devil saying? Oh boy, you're really going to have some trouble now. And there were some times that I had some symptoms flare up, but I refused to buy into it. And I refused to let my words agree with the symptoms or allow my concern to carry me into something that I don't want versus having faith that begins to carry me. Amen? So let's once again pick back up there. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24. It says, Avoid all perverse talk, staying away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet Keep your feet from following evil. Did you notice that so many times within those three verses, it was very intentional to tell you be specific in what you do. Set your course. Be on track. Pay attention to what you're looking at. Because when you do that, it'll keep your feet from evil. It will keep you where you need to be. But you've got to be intentional to be focused. One translation says this, avoid the sideshow distractions. Have you ever noticed that there are all kinds of sideshow distractions of life? Come on. You know, you're just going through Facebook and there's those little things that pop up on the side. Or if you're ever going through your phone and there's those little uh, uh, banners that come up on uh, on your screen. And you're just trying to get some work done or you're trying to go through your Facebook feed or whatever it might be. And, and then there's a banner that comes up and it says, uh, Worst Bikini Malfunctions. And you're like, what? Or there's another one that comes up, The Ten Most Deadly Habits People Can Get Into. And you're like, I wonder what that is. And you're tempted, Right? The sideshow distractions that want to get you pulled one way or another. You get a virus, exactly. I mean, that could preach itself. The sideshows get you viruses, exactly. Yeah. Or what, what is it, you know, when it comes to you watching television, have you ever noticed these things called commercials? What's the commercials for? Well, part of it is to tell you what's coming up next. Because if they can tell you what's coming up next, they can entice you to watch the next program. It's a sideshow distraction. And the enemy is extremely good at presenting something to us that will get us off course. But if we'll purpose to stay focused, we'll get where we need to be. God will direct our path. Amen? There's a principle, as I've already said, of the principle that you will move towards your focus. Whatever you're focused on, that's what you'll move towards. You know, I'm a golfer. haven't done a whole lot this year. I've actually rode my motorcycle more this year than, than golfing. But there's something about golf that's called hazards. It can be sand. It can be water. And the funny thing about the water is that they always put it in a, in a portion of the golf course that is part of your, could be part of your golf swing. Now, for those of you that have ever seen it, you know, uh, you, you got the green. It looks beautiful. It's like right there. I mean, easy shots. 
I got that shot in my bag. I got the club for that. But right in front of it, they put all this water. Well, what's the water there for? It's called a hazard, but it's there to get inside your head. It's a distraction. And I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten up to the ball and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. I, I can do this. Don't get it in the water. Well, no, shut up. Uh, I can do this. And then all of a sudden, that, that thought keeps reeling over. Don't hit it in the water. Don't hit Swing through. Don't chunk it. Don't hit it fat. You got this. Don't put it in the water. And before you know it, that distraction got in your head. You lost the focus of where you wanted it to be, and you started focusing on where you didn't want it to be. And sure enough, you put it where you were focusing. Come on, are you here this morning? The enemy wants you to take your focus off what is important in life and what is necessary in life so that you begin to pay attention to the sideshow. I mean, that is a lesson for life. Parents, mom and dad, if your focus for your kids is always saying, don't do that, don't do that, that's dangerous, don't go there, don't do that, if your focus is always on the negative, do you know what you're going to push your kids toward? What you keep putting your focus on. What do you do as a parent? You put your focus on the right thing, not the negative thing. Come on. As a kid, as a teenager, I ask myself the question oftentimes, why are you doing what you're doing? Even my parents would ask me that. Why are you acting that way? I'm like, I don't know. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? I don't know. And the things that I was doing was not because I was a rebellious kid saying, well, I'll show you. It was because as a kid, the focus was put on the wrong things. And therefore, the things that you were trying to be protected from, you were pushed toward. Amen? Amen. It's a principle of life. What's your focus? That's the big question for all of us today. What are you focusing on? And so then, therefore, I can ask you this. What are you moving toward? What are you moving toward? What's your focus this morning? You can't move forward if you're constantly looking back. As a Christian, as a child of God, God has called us to freedom. And God has called us to be free so that there are those that will follow us to freedom. I talked about the motorcycle ride. There are those guys that I ride with other pastors. There was only five of us, but I was fourth in line. So I was always following somebody, but somebody was always following somebody until you got to the lead guy, and the lead guy was leading. Well, I didn't necessarily know where we were going, and I didn't necessarily know all the roads that we were on. I just followed the leader. I stayed focused on the individual in front of me, but I just blindly followed wherever I was going. And so once again, we as believers, God has called us to be free. And so therefore, our lives ought to be in such a way of having peace and freedom and joy that people want to follow you, or I should say that as they follow you, they begin to step into the same peace and the same joy and the freedom that you have. 
But so many believers, even though they're going to heaven, live a life of being bound, of being distrapped by stuff. And there are people that are following you. And where are they leading? Or I should say, where are you leading? Where's your focus? What are you moving towards? Microsoft did an interesting study a few years back. And they said that the average goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Now, how, why they, they did that study, I don't know. And how they, you know, they like looked at the goldfish and said, all right, nine seconds. That's how long we got his attention. But they found out that, they found out that 12, or excuse me, they found out that just uh, 16 years ago, the human attention span had shrunk to 12 seconds. That was 16 years ago. The current study for humans today is 8 seconds. Our attention span is less than a goldfish. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Now pay attention. It's been more than 8 seconds. All right. <laughs> Y'all with me? All right. What am I saying? Is that our attention span through this life is continually diminishing. Our focus is constantly being shrunk because of all the distractions of life. Have you felt more distracted than you've ever been before? Do you feel the temptations of being distracted? Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. As people, even though we're more distracted than ever before, the thing that we've gotten really good at is is becoming multitasking people. We've gotten really good at that. Now... In some respect, that is good because we all need to multitask in some areas of life. But did you know that that's not how God made us? God did not make you to be a master at multitasking. He didn't make you to have so many plates that you're spinning and balls that you're juggling so that you're, just, you're, you're never having any downtime. In fact, when we begin to look at the character and the very nature of God. God says this. He says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Think not or let not that man think that he receives anything from me. Double-minded. We see God say this in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things in life will just be added unto you. God says this. He says, Don't have any other gods before me. Serve one. Worship one. And he's not even talking about the idols. It might be the golf game. It might be whatever else that you put before God. He says, keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Everything about God is simplistic. Everything about God is to help us stay focused. But we have allowed our lives to become so busy, so distracted that we have very little opportunity to be focused in life. Obviously, in things in life, there are going to be things that happen. It's just the natural course of life. I think we touched on that last week. Things happen. Sometimes we blame it on the devil. Sometimes we blame it on God. Sometimes it's just stuff that happens. Life happens. But nevertheless, it brings distractions. But there are avoidable distractions that we can be intentional with in our lives. 
or I should say, we can be intentional to not be distracted. There are avoidable distractions, if you will. The average person, the average person checks into their Facebook account 11 times a day. I'm guilty. Feeding through your Facebook. What if we read the Bible or prayed as much as we were on Facebook? What would it look like? I wonder if somebody likes me. I wonder if somebody wanted to befriend me. I wonder if somebody sent me a message. Just makes me feel good when somebody reaches out and pokes me. You know, just... Right? It's a distraction. Now let me, let me see if you've ever experienced any of this. Have you noticed that on Facebook, there are all these distractions and they come in the form of political jargon? Have you seen anybody get into debates about politics? Has any of the debates ever changed your mind? No. And the funny thing about it is, and let me just say this, if you don't know, Pastor has a Facebook account. And if you put something on Facebook, there's a good chance that your pastor is going to see it. Okay? Just, just, just so you know. But I find it interesting where there are individuals that will get in debates about this whole political thing. And they somehow put a spiritual spin on it. And obviously there's some spiritual implications. But they get into this debate about it. And talking about, well, what the Bible says and blah, blah, blah. And then it gets so heated in the feed of Facebook that they start cussing. And start cursing the other person. I'm thinking, way to go! <laughs> Just told them about you being in church and at least I'm saved and going to heaven. And then you start cursing at them. Way to go! Once again, losing the focus because of just simple avoidable distractions. What about your phone? How distracting can our phone be? Again, I am so guilty of it. In fact, there's times that I I get self-conscious and really it's just really the Holy Spirit working on me. But I ask myself the question, how many times do my kids come into the room or come see me and I got my phone in my hand? It's a distraction. It distracts me from being a dad. Technology is great, but technology has gotten us to the place where we no longer have any downtime in life. We talk about having rest. In fact, once again, just telling on myself, how many times do we get ready to go to bed? And rather than just quieting down and just having some quality time with the wife and having conversation or maybe even praying... You end up getting your phone and you start fishing through your phone before you go to bed. Well, that does stimulate your brain and actually makes it more difficult to go to bed. We've robbed ourselves of really having the peace and the joy that God desires for us because we've allowed ourselves to lose focus in life. And there are so many distractions that are avoidable. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. What's another avoidable distraction? Sin. Wow, we actually said that word in church. I mean, we're so scared to talk about sin or just talk about those things in church that we we avoid them like the plague. But there is a thing that is called sin. And sin is something that brings a wedge between God and I or God and you. It's missing the mark. And there's an avoidable distraction of something called sin and it can be 
avoided. You can make a choice not to willfully sin. Are you here this morning? Now, the Bible says this, that sin is fun for a season. I'll be the first to tell you, there are things in life that are just plain fun. But the end can lead to destruction. And it's interesting how many people have gotten into a place where they're just calloused concerning this issue of sin and just continually do what they want to do, but yet they say, well, how come God's not doing this in my life? It's an avoidable distraction. It's a choice in the matter. And I realize that there's many people in our society today because our society has gotten so uh, so laxed and so desensitized towards sin that many times from the natural or from the surface, we don't know what sin is anymore. But the Bible says that when you're a child of God, He writes the Word of God on the tablets of your heart. And so there is a consciousness within you that begins to discern right from wrong. And whether you know it intellectually, there's something in your heart that just says, mm, that don't feel right. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't go there. Shouldn't hang with them. God begins to work on the inside. You can't begin to point the finger and say, well, you didn't tell me. No, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside if you're a child of God. And there's a moral compass that begins to work on the inside of you, regardless whether you know intellectually or not. Can you say amen or oh me? Amen. Amen. All right. So that being said, who are you following? Who are you following? Just getting back to that question. Because once again... Every single one of us are hanging out with somebody. You know, I told you that I went on this bike trip with these guys. And they're ministers. I love hanging out with ministers. The one thing that I like about it is, one, the the one particular minister, he pastors a church of almost 4,000 people. So I get to hang with quality men that have done great things. What's that do? It helps build me up. It helps edify me. There's times where everybody went to bed and he he and I would go down in the lobby and we'd just talk. What am I doing? I'm getting built up and exhorted because I'm hanging out with somebody that has been somewhere and done something significant in life. As a group of Christian men, now listen to me and hear me correctly in this. As Christian men, we could talk together and there was different times where as men, Christian men, started talking about sex. Do you realize that there is a godly context of talking or having conversation about sex that is edifying and it's not perverse? Does that make sense? You ought to be able to have those conversations, accountabilities, in the context of people that you hang with. And it doesn't have to get perverted. It doesn't have to get in the ditch. It can be from a godly perspective. So who are you following? Who are you hanging out with? Look at where their lives are. Is that where you want to go? Maybe they got you to the church, but look at their lives today and take inventory. uh, Judge the fruit. Do you want to go where they're going or do you desire to go further and higher with God? It might just be time to start running with a different crowd. Amen. Now again, we all got a bunch of great people here. Don't hear that the wrong way. And don't take it out of context if you're thinking I'm saying one thing or the other. I'm simply saying... Every one of us are following and hanging with somebody. Where do you want to go? Because whatever your focus is on is what you're leaning toward and where you're going to. Amen? The scripture says this in James chapter 1. You doing all right? James chapter 1, starting in verse 14. It says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. 
these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Notice what it says. There are desires that you have just from being a person. There are temptations that will come and that will work on your natural carnal man. But the Bible says if you give those things place in your life, if you begin to focus on those things, they will begin to grow. And the Bible says that they can grow to the point that it just produces death in your life. Are you here this morning? It says don't be misled. Don't be misled. It says purpose follow after God. Amos chapter 8 verse 11. God was saying this, he says, concerning those people that were losing their focus, getting distracted, not following after God like they ought to. In Amos chapter 8 verse 11 he says, Behold the day is coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will search for the voice of God and they can't find it. I don't know about you, but that is a scary place. I'm getting so distracted that I can't hear God's voice in my life anymore. That can happen to a pastor. You lose focus to where, God, I can't hear you anymore. And there are people that are searching and desiring to hear from God, but because they've lost their focus and got off course, they can no longer hear from God. And the Bible says that God does it, that He pulls away from you. Amen? What a scary place when you can't hear the voice of God anymore in your life. If you lose your focus, you'll stop hearing the voice of God through your pastor and just see a man and hear that rightly. What I mean by that is you can get offended or you can get beyond what is being said and all you hear is the pastor saying, Oh, you're talking about shit again. Talking about sin, got to live right, got to... And all you hear is a man talking versus God speaking to you. Amen? God wants us to stay focused. Amen. So four things that you can do real quickly as we wind this up. Four things that you can do to help you keep your focus. Purpose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. Allowing Him to be the lead of your life. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your counselor. He'll help lead you and guide you into truth. He will guide you in the affairs of life. Are you hearing me? He will guide you and lead you where you want to go. But you've got to stay focused. And I'm telling you, when you begin to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to identify God's voice. I remember this was a number of years ago, speaking of motorcycles, it seemed like this was a motorcycle kind of conversation day. Years ago, uh, before I went to Bible college, I had one of those little crotch rocket things, you know, real fast things, and I sold it to a buddy of mine. And in, in the midst of selling it to my buddy, I had a contract drawn up, and I said, you are guaranteeing that you will pay me all the money because he said, I can pay you this much, and then I'll pay you the rest in just a little bit of time. Well, he was greatly offended, and so was his wife. But you know what ended up happening? He couldn't pay me the rest. And I was ticked off about it. And I'm thinking, boy, you know, here your wife is getting all bent out of shape. And the very thing that I was having you sign it for is the thing that happened. And yet you want to get offended at me. So I had an opportunity to get offended myself. And finally I said, God, I just wiped the slate clean. I'm just forgiving him, forgiving the debt. Lesson learned. Move on. And so this was a number of years later. 
probably at least six years later. I'm coming home one day from working at GM, and I'm pulling up to my mailbox, and as I'm pulling up into the mailbox, all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Lord say into my heart, he said, Lance paid you off. I hadn't even got to the mailbox yet. I opened up the mailbox. There was a letter there from the guy that I sold it to, and it was a card apologizing and a check for the remainder amount. What am I saying? You can begin to walk close with God where you know His voice. He's speaking to you, talking to you, guiding you into truth, helping you through the affairs of life, helping you stay focused. Amen? Number two, purposing to cultivate and have a focused time where the Word of God can become a part of your life. This is not just a book. This is God speaking to you. The Bible says in one nineteen, it says that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. How are you going to get where you're going? You've got to know where you're going to stay focused. And the Word of God is the light that leads you and directs you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, speaking of the Word of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness or right living. Did you hear that part where it says that the Word of God will correct you? How many of you know that you need the Bible, you need the Word of God, and you need the voice of God to correct you in your life when you need to be corrected? Now, I know we're living in a society that don't, don't tell me what to do. Don't correct me. Who do you think you are? I put my pants on just like you. That's the society that we live in. A society of rebellious, lack of accountability and responsibility kind of people. That's, that's the society that we live in. But the Word of God says that it will correct us. I want God to correct me. God, if there's things in my life, correct me. And He does. Now, once he corrects you, it's your responsibility to do and to be accountable to that. And sometimes it's not always fun. Right? Do you realize that God don't spank you with a stick or a paddle, but he might spank you with the Word of God? And just like sometimes the natural spanking don't feel good, sometimes the spiritual spanking don't feel good either. But it's necessary. Why do you correct your children? Because you love them. How many of you ever try to spin that on your kids? I'm doing this because I love you, son. It hurts me more than it hurts you. And they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That's what, that's what God says to us. This is hurting me more than it hurts you, but I'm doing it because I love you. Amen? The Word of God will begin to help us. Number three is knowing God. Just simply cultivating a relationship of walking by faith where the word and the voice of God and just that relationship with God begins to carry us through the curves and the turns of life. Cultivating that relationship. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, They that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. See, we have a bunch of church people today and I'm just talking about the church as a whole have a church that knows stories about God, but they don't know God. Yeah, they might go to heaven. They've asked Jesus into their heart, but all they hear is these stories that really are nothing more than fairy tales, and so many have allowed it to be taught and allowed it to be deceived that, yeah, it's just perspection of man's interpretation. It is God speaking to you. 
they that know their God shall be strong. How come Christians are so beat up, defeated, and depleted? Because they not, they're not strong from knowing their God. And then notice what it says. When you're strong in God, you begin to do great exploits. The focus of what God purposed to plan put in your life. And then number four, the last thing, is clarity of purpose. See, again, God's called you to do great things. Know where you're going. What's God called you to do? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus endured the cross only with the expectation and the focus of getting back to God? No. He endured the cross with joy because you were his focus. GVC was his focus. The people that are here that are knowing their God, you're the reason why he endured the cross with joy and purpose to say, God, whatever needs to be done. And as a result, that's why we can follow him. What's your focus today? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to challenge you this morning to evaluate what your focus is. God doesn't mind you having a career. He doesn't mind you having money. He doesn't mind you having good things. He doesn't mind you having opportunities to go on vacation. But what's your focus? What's your focus? And there's something that I've noticed within the body of Christ, from church to church, from minister to minister, that it seems as though God is trying to get the attention of the church. It seems as though God is raising the standard. It seems as though God is ringing the dinner bell and saying, It's time to come to the table. It's time to seek me first. It's time to put things in priority. It's time to have focus like never before. I believe that the times in which we're living in is so close to the coming of Jesus. Your purpose is not all about you, but it's about the people that are following you. And wherever your focus is, they will follow you there. I know that God has called GBC to be a voice and an example and a game changer for this Genesee and Greater Flint area. Will you allow your focus to see you the way God sees you? Will you allow yourself to begin to prioritize the distractions in your life and find the purpose of your life and what it truly is for? And as we do that together, I know that Genesee Valley Church is going to become and it's going to continue to do what God has called us to do.
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every individual that's here this morning. I pray that we did not hear a word of condemnation, but a message of encouragement. Maybe even one of correction to help redirect our thoughts and our focus. God, I thank you that, Lord, the blessing of God is upon us and is going to continue to pour out because of our readjustments. So we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.